Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. Very happy to be back with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with uh, Neil and Roger and John, myself, Bob Duco. Guys, it's like the gang is all here, right? Nobody's missing. There's always somebody missing sometime. (laughs) I know. So I I know. Here we all are. So uh, looking forward to to this week, we're actually going to talk about something that's that's kind of sensitive. It could be considered controversial and even a difficult thing for, for some Christians to deal with, and that's the, the issue of the religious exemptions for the COVID vaccines. Uh, one of the things – and the reason I got to thinking about this is because Robert Jeffers, who is a very well-known megachurch pastor out of Dallas, Texas, and he's very solid – biblically conservative, politically conservative, big supporter of President Trump's, and and he has informed his congregation that uh, if you're looking for religious exemption uh, letters from me, I'm not going to supply them, not because he has gone soft on vaccines or any of that kind of stuff, but because he's saying, I, I just, I have to admit, we don't really have a legitimate biblical religious exemption for this, there's nothing in the Bible that says thou shalt not get vaccinated, and so therefore, for that reason, you can't really claim it violates my religious beliefs to be forced to get a vaccine. But then you do have other pastors that say, no, we are giving religious exemption letters. And so these religious exemption letters are kind of like the Willy Wonka golden ticket. There's a lot of people desperately trying to get them right now. A lot of employees filling out the religious exemption paperwork uh, for the places that they work. And then I, I, I looked at not just Robert Jeffers, but then you've got this apologetics ministry called Got Questions at gotquestions.org. They tend to be pretty solid. And they just put out a piece entitled, Should a Christian Apply for the Religious Exemption to the COVID-19 Vaccine Mandate? And they pretty much point out what Robert Jeffers said, that if you really, truly, consistently believe that vaccines in some way are a sin, then that would be one thing. But the overwhelming majority of Christians that are doing the religious exemption, they they don't have a problem with other kinds of uh, vaccinations per se. They don't consider that a violation of scripture. And then what do you do if it's the aborted fetal uh, tissue concern? What do we do with the fact that the very same mechanism that used aborted fetal tissue cells for the creation of these vaccines are the very same mechanisms that are used to create half the things in our grocery carts. And so what do we do with this? Is there in fact a legitimate religious exemption or are we as Christians kind of using dishonesty and deception to claim a religious exemption that – Getting the vaccine would violate our beliefs as Christians when we don't really have a biblical leg to stand on, although we would have, I would argue, a constitutional and American and freedom and liberty leg to stand on. So that's kind of the issue to throw out on the table. Uh, What do we do with the conflict that some people are feeling about religious exemptions? Is it right or is it wrong? Let's just open up the conversation and, and see where it 
takes us and kind of go around the table a little bit. And, and maybe, John, our resident libertarian, if I could start with you, I know vaccine mandates violate every ounce of the libertarian blood that runs through your system. But what about the Christian part of you? Is there truly an honest biblical case for religious exemption? I think the answer to that is it depends. I think it really comes down to your own personal convictions and what you believe and how you've done this historically in the past. I don't think you can just come along today and then you know, you'll know you be that smorgasbord Christian that says, oh, I'm going to take this exemption, but I'm not going to apply it to anything else. I think, I think it had to be something where you've been very consistent on this up to this point. On the same token, I think there's a couple of things we also need to clarify when it comes to you know, these quote unquote mandates and some of what I've been recommending to, you know, listeners and even some folks that, you know, I, I consult with on a, on a pretty routine basis is number one, the only actual official mandate out there is for federal workers and for some contractors of federal agencies. There's different states that have done different things, you know, as far as states and cities and things like that go. But as far as the private sector goes, there are no official mandates from the government. These are all things that have been mandated by the individual employers themselves. Uh, I think there's a huge misconception that even some of these employers have that they're thinking that this mandate has been made official by some some form of an executive order. And the reality is, no, it hasn't been. I don't think it will be, frankly, because it won't stand up in, in a court of law as far as the private sector is concerned. So there really is no official mandate from the White House for private employers. With that being said, back to what you asked me, Bob, I, again, I think it comes down to a personal conviction, just like a lot of things that, that, that go on in the Christian world. I do feel like the, you know, the lion's share, probably 95% plus of people applying for religious exemptions are, are not doing that correctly because I don't think that they really have a true feeling about it that way. They just don't want to get the vaccine for other reasons, which by the way, I support. I'm not saying I don't support that. I just don't support going after it in a non-legitimate way. Okay, and then Roger, let me uh, throw this over to you. Roger Marsh, of course, the bottom line, People's Republic of California. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of the, the details of the different reasons for the religious exemption, the aborted stem cell reasons, the, the conviction, personal uh, conscience issues and such. And so there's a lot of that we want to get into. But first, in a general sense, how do you look at this from, from 35,000 feet? Is there – is there a, relig a genuine biblical case to make for religious exemption or are we just kind of gaming the system and we don't really want to admit it with our outside voice? Well, I hate to say it, but we both used our outside voices to do it, Bob. I mean, I get the feeling that there are a lot of Christians who are saying, look, I mean, I've got John's libertarian you know, blood running through my veins, too. I don't sure. think this is constitutionally right. I don't think it's legally enforceable, and, and I think we all know it isn't. And at the same time, too, I'm a Christian, and at some point, the mark of the beast is going to show up, and I don't want to get that involved in that either. So, therefore, let's throw all those together and say, well, since I'm a Christian, I should be able to get an exemption. And the reality is you don't have a leg to stand on, if that's your argument. I mean, I, I, it's interesting. We have a couple of very dear friends who are part of the, the Seventh-day Adventist group. And I thought, okay, they're very strict on, you know, Old Testament food restrictions and they don't do shellfish and all that type of stuff. And uh, and yet they're totally into the vaccine. And the, the husband is a, a cardiologist. And so as we were having this discussion, we went online to look and say, yeah, I wonder what the SDA say about this because they seem to have a lot of restrictions about what goes in and out of your body. And their position is that we do not have an official position as a denomination saying that uh, people shouldn't be putting this in. You know, we're 
are not anti-vax at all. You know, it, it, do what's best for the common good and what's best for your own health and and whatever. And and I I get the sense, Bob, and I'm really glad we're having this conversation today that a lot of people in the church are stuck in the I don't want it, so therefore there's got to be a way around it. Well, this is America. Where's the exemption line? And mm-hmm. you know, and it's really it's it's not a good argument at all. There are people we've discussed here on the program, you know, in terms of our own vaccination status, as it were, having it or not. Um, I, I've got dear friends who are allergic to vaccines. Who was just talking to one this morning on social media, who said, "Look, if I get any kind of vaccine, you know, I mean, if I I couldn't get booster shots when I was a kid because it just throws my body into all sorts of different things." I think that person should be able to get a medical exemption, absolutely. But when it comes to the religious stuff, we really can't hide behind our faith in Christ on this one. Uh, there are other reasons why I believe a Christian could say, I'm not going to do this, but looking for a, a way out here, I don't think is one of them. All right, let's uh, do this because we want to go from Pastor Roger to Pastor Neil, but we're going to take a quick break first and then we'll continue this discussion here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth for Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthfullife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable with John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco. We're talking about religious exemptions and is there a is there a concern among Christians that we might be gaming the system in a dishonest way with religious exemptions? Do we really have a biblical leg to stand on to make these kind of exemption claims. Uh, Neil, I'd love to get your take on this. Certainly as a pastor, just like Roger, there are a couple issues here at play. One, we're Americans and we don't like our freedoms and liberties infringed upon. Two, there are a lot of people that are just really offended at the idea of being ordered to get a vaccine, especially people like myself, that it's not necessary because I have natural antibodies. Uh, But as Christians... We also have to we also have to look at things through a biblical lens first and foremost. And I'm just I have to be intellectually honest and say I'm having a hard time finding a biblical foundation for genuinely claiming religious exemption, at least for ninety nine plus percent of the Christians that are filing religious exemption claims. This is gonna be a tough one because I have so much stuff to say that I think probably could get flushed out later, so I don't want to try to cover it all in the opening statement. But okay. uh, first of all, related to what John said, like in New York State, Kathy Hochul, the new governor here on the heels of Andrew Cuomo, um, has imposed vaccine mandates for state health care workers, so then that's coming from the state government. Um, private employers, and probably pretty much the same here as in Colorado, so you know people are dealing with different situations. I've actually been asked three times directly to fill out religious exemption forms, and I filled out all three. Uh, I also said on the air, please don't send me requests because I don't want to be filling out requests for people that I don't know. Um, uh, One of them was a student at a Catholic university here in New York State, uh, St. John Fisher in Rochester, which provided the opportunity for uh, religious exemption given that they're a Catholic university, but then later rescinded that. And so even though I filled it out, it never went anywhere because they rescinded it before it was ever even read. Uh, by the way, all three letters of you know religious exemption were very different. They were asking for different kinds of information. And I wanted to make sure that I knew what these people actually believed. I know them, but I don't know them well. It's not like we sit and you know talk all day long about such things. But 
Um, number one, Robert Jeffress says this, and he has a right to say it, and I have high regard for Robert Jeffress. He knows 50 times more about the Word of God and Christianity than I do, but but it does highlight to me that I think in the in the body of Christ we love to like make rules like should Christians celebrate Halloween or not? We've talked about that on the air. We just somebody tell me what to do. Give me the guidebook. Give me the manual about what I'm supposed to do. What's right and wrong, and then I'll just follow that. And you know this idea that that there is one right way to look at this whole thing. I think is incorrect. I think there's a number of ways to look at it. One thing right off the bat, I'll just mention it, is the idea that not all these people feel that these are vaccines. They may not be anti-vaccine, but they're anti-taking whatever this thing is. Uh, Some people have clearly made a case that this is not actually a vaccine. It's not take it once and you're done forever, like the smallpox thing or whatever. This is, you know, you're going to need annual boosters. And like Roger said, I don't know, is this associated with the mark of the beast? People are having some real uh, concerns about that, some real struggles. I think some of it's based in fear. I, and um, I would say that fear is never a motivation for anything because fear is not of God. So if fear is driving it, then I would say then uh, you better check your heart because, you know, what what is motivating you to ask for this? But what I saw was that people were saying, look at God created us um, to obey him. Number one, first and foremost, our responsibility is to obey him. He invited us to obey him in the garden. But he didn't stop Adam and Eve from eating from that tree. He didn't force them to. But he also didn't stop them, which really authenticated his love for us in in that he offered us true freedom. And then throughout Scripture, we see that we are invited to follow Jesus. Come follow me. And that we need to check our hearts. You know, walk by the Spirit. We will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So what I'm seeing in in, in some of the arguments that were raised were, look at... um, in Romans 14, and I know it talks about their meat sacrifice to idols, but it also says, let each one of us give an account of ourselves to God. One guy regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. And what I'm really seeing that emerged in these three cases I'm talking about was we feel that we have a responsibility to take care of our body. We don't know what this thing is. It's not technically a vaccine in their estimation. They had strong conviction about that. I don't want to be putting something in my body, especially when I'm of childbearing age. That was the case of two out, two out of the three. That, that you know, I don't know what this is going to mean for future children. I want to try to get pregnant. How's it going to affect me? No one can give me these answers. And I want to protect my child in the future. So I feel that the thing to do is to obey what God's saying to my heart. Trust him, not a vaccine. If I get sick, I get sick. If I lose my job, I lose my job. But I'm putting my faith and trust in him. That's my religious um, you know, justification for doing that. And on that basis, I had no problem filling it out. Yeah. What do we do, though, Neil, with – and by the way, I agree with what you're saying here. I do. But what do we do with the, the, the reality that all of those things are really arguments to say, here's why I'm opposed to the vaccine or suspicious of the vaccine or don't feel like it's healthy for me or necessary or whatever. How do we translate that into – it's now a violation of my beliefs as a Christian that you're trying to make me do. What is the the biblical case for this? Because in all fairness, all of us put things in our bodies that are unhealthy. Uh, there are people that smoke. That's certainly unhealthy. There are people that drink. That, Depending on the level, that's unhealthy. Uh, there are certainly uh, people that eat foods that we know are unhealthy. We do stuff like this all the time. Uh, missionaries regularly get vaccinations that are required for, you know, I went on a missions trip to Kenya. They required me to get a yellow fever vaccine. I hate vaccines, but I got a yellow Mm -hmm. fever vaccine so I could go on the missions trip. So I didn't feel like I was sinning. I wasn't violating a biblical principle. So what do we do about the fact that, that 
there is a strong, compelling argument to say, here's why I oppose taking this vaccine. I think all those are uh, legitimate reasons. How do we translate that into, if I take it, I'm now violating uh, scripture and violating my, 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 my Christian beliefs? I think because in these cases, these people are seeing this as a disputable matter, not something that says thou shalt not. I mean, there's a lot of that that goes on. Uh, in Christian circles. Here's one classic argument. I remember when I was a pastor, there was a, a whole, you know, when I was serving in pastoral ministry directly, um, that there was a, a lot of people that felt that Christians ought to be in church on Sunday nights, on Super Bowl Sunday, because that's what Christians do. You know, we worship. And there's others that felt very strongly they needed to be with their family and friends. They use that time as kind of an outreach. And some churches that I was familiar with even created, you know, special evenings so that you could come to church and watch the game. And I think this all just is, is legalism. It splits hairs. There's other people that never even stop to consider the question who call themselves believers because they were too busy, you know, checking their smartphones to see how their fantasy team was doing. So, like, it was it was everything under the sun. And I think that James 4.17 says, For him that knows the right thing to do but does not do it, to him it is sin. And I think God sometimes tells one person to do one thing and another to do another when there are when they're issues that are not really clearly defined in Scripture. This Scripture doesn't say if the government tells you to take what some people call a vaccine and others say isn't a vaccine, you must do that, thus saith the Lord. I think people are saying, no, I, I think I need to use godly wisdom, seek the heart of God, get before him in prayer, and say, Lord, what are you saying to me about this? And especially in the cases where the women were concerned about future pregnancies and what that might do to future children, I totally hear where they're coming from on that. I don't know that anybody can stand up and say, yeah, but you can't show me a thou shalt not in the Bible, therefore you can't make that decision. I think God's grace covers these things, and this is exactly why we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and not try to come up with a legalistic rule book that says, you know, Christians do not dance. Well, David did, but the rest of us do not dance. John, I know mm-hmm. you can appreciate what I'm saying there, but anyway. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let me uh, let me do this because, Roger, I, I do want to get your perspective on this also as a pastor. Uh, what do you say about what Neil is saying? And allow me to kind of play devil's advocate here, uh, just hypothetical devil's advocate. Uh, if we're going to take that argument, then pretty much anything that the government tells us that we're required to do, we can say, well, I'm personally opposed to this. I have a personal conviction against it, and so therefore uh, I'm going to claim a religious exemption. If the Bible doesn't forbid us to get vaccines, then how can we say I have a you're, – you're making me violate scripture by getting a vaccine if the Bible doesn't actually forbid us to do that? Because I can think of all kinds of things sure. that the government may – want me to do that is not a sin, but I disagree with. And so it's like, well, all right, I'll do this because there's no biblical mandate against it, but I sure don't like it and it's sure not right. Uh, Aren't I using dishonesty? Again, just plain devil's advocate, hypothetically, aren't I using dishonesty, though, if I'm claiming a religious exemption for something that I'm really just personally opposed to but isn't biblically forbidden? It is kind of a slippery slope, isn't it? You know, I, my kids were soccer players when they were younger, and so dad had to learn the game very quickly, so I became a referee. And uh, that was kind of an experience, uh, <laughs> to be out there on the pitch running around, hopefully sure. in good shape. But there's a, there are eight, eight, I think there are 18 laws in soccer, and a lot of it is not so much how the laws are written, but how they're applied. 
and you guys are probably familiar with that big old box, the area they call it, where the goalkeeper can is the only person who can actually handle the ball. And if the ball's just outside the box, goalkeeper can actually knock the ball into the box and then pick it up. And the reason why they can is because there's no rule that says they can't. I mean, when you get right, right down to it, if you're trying to use mm. scripture to justify a position for or against the vaccine, you're going to be in big trouble because, quite frankly, I think the thou shalt or thou shalt not vaccinate is right next to the thou shalt not smoke cigarettes and use Internet pornography. You know, I mean, you get right down to it. There's there's really nothing in there. So we're really kind of on our own in this regard. But for those who would who would say, I've got to use this religious exemption, Bob, to your point about yellow fever, the yellow fever vaccine has been with us for over 70 years. I mean, right. 80 years, for crying out loud. So, I mean, it truly is a vaccine. It's gone through all the clinical trials. We know what's in it. We know what yellow fever is about. We don't have to worry about the spread, but we do know that it's present. So when you were going on the mission trip, you know, they said, hey, we know exactly what you're getting into. Here's what's in the shot. Take the jab, go, you know, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. But I think the big problem that we're dealing with right now is just the fear of the unknown. I mean, whether it's do we know what's in this stuff? I don't want to shoot that stuff into my body. Or do we know how this spreads? Are you guys as confused as I am by the people who are, quote, unquote, double jabbed and they're dying because they got the, the virus anyway? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're I know. worked on the Netflix show the other day. They're saying he was perfectly healthy, had no underlying health concerns, 53 years old, double jabbed, and he died of COVID. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a sleuth, but quite something tells me that if you got the quote-unquote vaccine that was supposed to be the quote-unquote cure and you died of COVID after getting both rounds of it, there were underlying health concerns, you know. There's right. this, it's it's moving very quickly, and so I, I, I'm commending us if, for nothing more having this conversation about what is our motive behind saying yes or no to this. And I, Neil, I love the the dialogue you were having with uh, you know those who you were dialoguing with about this, and I think more dialogue is needed. The problem is when we're in that pressure cooker microwave oven known as the social media mainstream where everyone has to make snap decisions and now you got the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers and the maskers and the anti-maskers sometimes i think a lot of christians are just kind of throwing the flag saying look i'm a christian i don't want to have to deal with all this stuff and and so i'm I'm going to use my faith as, as as the reason instead of saying it's still too early to tell for me i don't want to get jabbed if it's going to do right. long-term harm but if ultimately it turns out it's okay, I'm not opposed to it because we got all our other shots too. It's a, it's a, it, so it is a slippery slope. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a short break. We'll pick it up from here next uh, here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco. So, uh, John, I'd love to get your take on this then uh, as well. It, it almost seems like... Uh, as far as I mean, because we're going to get into the aborted stem cell part of this as well, and and what's actually in the vaccine, and so we're going to we're going to dive into that in the second half of this podcast. Uh, but it does seem like on the surface that we're kind of with religious exemptions violating the the spirit of the law, but not the letter of the law, which I look as opposite to, we'll say speeding but just slightly if we're driving 56 and a 55 technically we are violating the letter of the law but law enforcement says 
you know what, that's okay. We give you a 10 mile an hour right. grace, grace and so whatever. Right. So really what we're doing is we're, we're, we're violating the letter of the law, but we're not violating the spirit of the law because the spirit of the law is we don't want you driving so fast you become a danger on the road. That's really right. the spirit of the law. Right. Uh, and, and I think as Christians, we, we're okay. If they give us a 10 mile grace period and we're keeping flow of traffic and we're going 62 and a 55, I, I don't think we're violating Romans 13 because we are obeying the spirit of the law even though we're violating the letter of the law here with the religious exemption it almost seems like john we're doing it uh in in exactly reverse that the that the spirit of the law is uh that we're violating the spirit of the law in this but we're not really violating the letter of the law because the letter of the law is hey you got this religious exemption if you fill it out properly and you answer the questions properly then legally you can be exempted or our policy wise our company will exempt you so we're following the letter of the law but we're kind of violating the spirit of the law because the spirit of the law is you're asking me to do something that I consider either sinful or a violation of uh, what I see in scripture that is my requirement as a Christian. And so uh, is if it's okay to violate the letter of the law but not the spirit of the law in speeding, is it equally okay to do that in reverse and violate the spirit of the law with the religious exemption while availing ourselves of the letter of the law, and we got about ninety seconds to the break. It's an easy answer for me on this one. In this case, absolutely, it is. Yeah, just because okay. of what it is and what they've done and how they've implemented it, and the fact that I don't feel like, unless you really feel like it's necessary for you to get it, this should be the opposite of what we're doing in the world and in the workforce today. We're doing this completely backwards of how we should be doing it. So, in that case, given how it's being really, face it, shoved down our throats. Given that fact, I have no problem with how people get out of doing it. That's that's completely up to them. And, and at this point, guys, I don't care if they have to cheat, steal, and, and do whatever they need to to get out of it. That's completely up to them. And if I were them, I would. Ruh-roh. <laughs> now, I mean, John, that does head us down a road, though, that uh, – where do, where do the governing authorities come in as far as obeying them at, combined with doing case, something that's that's blatantly? In this case you don't. Yeah, but what if it's blatantly, blatantly just what ought to be going on in, in in the public world, anyways? This, this is a this is a complete. Um, how should I say? Uh, the, the, this is a complete persuasion and coercion of the American herd, uh, quote unquote, that I've never seen before. And this has it is is so far off the rails right. that again, whatever you need to do to get out of it, you do so. So, so it sounds to me like you're kind of putting this in the category a little bit of. The dishonesty of the Hebrew midwives to protect those babies, the dishonesty yes. of Rahab yes. to protect Joshua's yes. spies, the dishonesty of uh, people during the Holocaust that were hiding uh, Jews right. from the Nazis yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, well, no, Rahab, my Rahab is no different. Uh, by the Rahab. way, 30 seconds to the break, but yeah, go ahead, Neil. I'm just going to say that Rahab ended up in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews. I know. For what the Hebrews. Did. Exactly. Think about that's, that. All right. Well, you know, and that's that's a very fair point too. Hang on, guys. The second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up, and we're going to be diving into a lot more of this, including what about the aborted stem cell debate? Uh, how seriously should we take that or not? Uh, are we being inconsistent? So, if you want to listen to the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, uh, you could do that online at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts, or just go to Crawford Media Group. Dot net And the second half with Neil, Roger, John, and myself, Bob Duco, coming up next. 
This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast uh, with John Rush, Rush to Reason from Denver, Colorado, Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco from The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. We're talking about vaccine mandates and specifically the religious exemptions to these vaccine mandates. And are we incorporating dishonesty by kind of violating the spirit of the vaccine mandates uh, religious exemption by saying, well, I, I'm opposed to this because you're making me violate my religious beliefs. But wait a second, we get vaccines in other cases and there, there's other things that we do that is it, are we just playing the religious exemption card when it's not really personally uh, violating something in scripture? We're not being called upon to sin or whatever. I, I have to take uh, Roger and Neil, I got to take what uh, what John brought up before the break. Uh, I actually mentioned this on my show when talking about this with my audience. I referenced uh, Rahab and how she made it into the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith and certainly the Hebrew midwives and Nazi Germany as well. Uh, Roger, let me ask you, you're a pastor, okay? How the, the thou shalt not bear false witness. We know that there's a context to that. There are some times where a greater good is accomplished by even using a moment of deception in some cases. We have seen this scripturally. Sometimes I hesitate saying that because I don't want people to suddenly feel like, oh, hey, then lying is no big deal. Yes, it is. But God has shown, Roger, that there are some circumstances where you can tell those Nazis, nope, no Jews in my basement. And that's actually a noble thing because that becomes more important, if you will. That, you know, the man's shriveled hand is more important uh, than taking some kind of activity on the Sabbath. Does this fall into that category? I, you know, I, it, it's interesting. I, first, John, preach. That was great. I really <laughs> listening to that, and I, I resonate <laughs> with that. I, it's nice to be able to look at the Faith Hall of Fame and say, yeah, you know, look at the people who did. And quite frankly, I mean, let's not forget the Lord's example either, the parable of the shrewd manager. You know, I mean, take the bill and change it. You know, I mean, do whatever. Curry yeah. favor with people on your way out the door. And and, and again, I, I, the, the whole point of this, I think, first and foremost, is spirit more important than letter in the case of, you know, how we interpret the law on this one. And I think that's why this this conversation is so important. If there are people who are trying to use religion to get out of the jab, then I, I don't think you have a leg to stand on at all. Wait, but when it comes down to you know the the biblical, ethical, and, and moral dilemma that we're facing here, again, I'm looking on the horizon, not to sound conspiracy theorists at all, but to echo John's point as well. It's been absolutely fascinating and a little bit terrifying to see how people are falling in w- with compliance. I know just in our neighborhood, uh, the, the, the there is no mask mandate per se. I mean, there's one city in this region of a dozen cities or so that actually does have a you must show papers before you come inside the restaurant or whatever it is. But it's amazing how many people wander around looking like the whole state is under this type of you know type of mandate. And to which I say, look, guys, here's the deal. If the vaccine is helping you in the sense that you get the jab, and I try not to call it the vaccine too much because we haven't had no clinical trials. I don't think it meets a legal definition or medical definition of a vaccine, but that's just what it's being called. It's a vaccine that brings cure, with air quote. Um, but if there are a lot of people, quite frankly, and, and guys, you've, you've seen this happen too. When you are ill, 
you know, how many times do you do you see that the person who I don't want to say wills their way to good health again, but it's it's what they think, what they believe, you know, how they feel. And so I know people who have gotten the jab, and they said, hey, you know what? I'm a Christian, and I believe God sent this, and I'm take I've taken it. I didn't have any bad side effects with it and therefore i'm feeling better you know and and they're not catching COVID. they're not you know picking it up other people are just living in abject terror of what is this going to mean if if i'm not jabbed and you're not wearing a mask and i'm going to catch it from you and you know whatever and i think it, it really it at some point we have to take a step back and say is this really about a virus? Is this really about a quote-unquote cure? Or is this about our spiritual health? I mean, the fact that so many people have just fallen into lockstep of saying, well, the government says I have to do this, so I have to do that. I'm not saying that there should be some kind of uprising, but rather the, the idea that we have to look and say, where are our allegiances? I mean, guys, Scripture is very clear on one thing with regard to this. Is appointed a man once to die and then the judgment? I mean, nobody gets out of here alive, to quote the uh, the gospel of Jim Morrison. I mean, right. but the, rea- the reality is, I mean, that, that that's a fact that I think a lot of people are having to come to terms with that, quite frankly, they really hadn't thought about before. You know, I, I'm an American, and I, you know, drink uh, uh, kale juice, and, you know, this, that, and, the, and I take care of myself, so therefore, I'm immortal. And... <laughs> The reality is this this whole debacle has kind of brought a lot of people to the cold, hard reality that at some point you will die. At some point, it may not be pretty. I mean, we've all had loved ones. We've watched, you know, cross the finish line into the arms of Jesus. And sometimes it was a didn't wake up one morning. And other times it was a long-term dementia, Alzheimer's, cancer. I mean, it, it, it isn't pretty. But we go back to Scripture that says, look, if I live, I live as under the Lord. As I die, I die as under the Lord. I mean, that, yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, I think that has to be our perspective we can't be throwing our faith up in front of uh, uh, the officials of the government and say you know well the, 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 this is my stand that i'm taking it's it, it it's right. a poor repre- it's a poor representation of christ i think well and you know what i mean you're absolutely right that uh, let's face it every single one of us is going to die okay period i don't think anybody <laughs> i don't and unless, unless your name is elijah or enoch okay deal with it okay you're going to you're going to uh die that's right but let me ask you, Neil, also as a pastor, because I, I'd like to get your take also on what it is that that uh, uh, that John was saying there. Uh, what about the dishonesty factor? Because there there is an element of I'm playing the religious exemption card, uh, even though I. It's really I'm taking my personal opposition for legitimate reasons to taking this vaccine, and I'm I'm placing it uh, in the category of a biblical objection somehow. Uh, I can understand where some people say, you know what, it's it's a stretch to say that I'm being ordered to violate my my Christian biblical beliefs, if you will, in that case. And so what about the person who acknowledges, look, I'm totally gaming the system. Truth is, it doesn't violate my, it doesn't make me feel like I'm dishonoring God by taking the vaccine or violating scripture, but it certainly violates everything I believe as Americans. And I think it's bad for my health and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to play the religious exemption card and make it look like this is more of a violation of of my Christian beliefs, if you will, than it actually really is. Can we put that in the category of it's for a greater noble good, like Rahab, like uh, like the Hebrew midwives, like uh, Nazi Germany and hiding Jews and such? Well, I don't see that it's really even in that 
category. I'm not seeing what you're saying right now. I'm not arguing with you about that. I'm just saying that like that that didn't come up in the three cases that I described when I was having these conversations. People weren't saying, "Look, uh, I just really think that you know the government shouldn't be saying this stuff." And as an American, I think it's stupid, and they won't listen to anything else I have to say. But I happen to be a Christian, so if you could write me a religious exemption, I'll just pretend that it, you know it's a violation of my um, my relationship with God or my you know biblical understanding or whatever. Uh-huh. Really, honestly, in every case, in and I didn't want to fill these things out without talking to these people personally. So I heard their hearts and I heard their explanation. And what what I was hearing was this is a, a violation of my understanding about what God is saying to me. As I look at this question, I feel that I need to do what God's saying, not what my employer or the state government in this case is saying. I need to obey God. And and I'm thinking about the apostles in I think it's, it's Acts chapter five. Yeah, that uh, you know we must obey God rather than men. Uh, they were in a position where they were being told the government says this, and if not, you know, you're in trouble. You could be put to death. And they're like, no, we don't care. We're going to obey God rather than men. Um, I really feel, I think that it's an overstatement. I don't know how to word this properly, but I think it's an overstatement to say, well, look at all Christians who have a problem with this are really just trying to, to get out of this government thing by pretending it's a religious thing. I saw some really sincere thoughts being shared about what it means to be a follower of God and wanting to take care of bodies, and particularly the bodies of their potential children, if this is going to affect them for childbearing and maybe children born with birth defects. Nobody knows how this supposed vaccine is going to affect kids 20 years from now because there's no longitudinal studies to tell us that. So it was their spiritual conviction um, that was leading them to those decisions. So I'm not arguing that that's the case all over the board. I think that there are probably, as John mentioned, people looking for any way out of this thing. They don't want to take it, so let's use whatever is put before us. But to me, I think, at least based on my experience, that it was much more of personal spiritual conviction as opposed to uh, this idea that it was a sweeping mandate and we were all just going to uh, do the the moral morally what's the the superior thing morally by Mm -hmm. by being being a rahab and pretending you know that that this is important for a a greater quote spiritual good or something i don't i didn't see i don't see it that way all right i'll tell you what another short break we'll pick it up next here on the national crawford roundtable podcast learn how to walk the narrow path with steve gray with over 40 years of studying the bible steve gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Continue the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco, talking about vaccine mandates and religious exemptions. Uh, by the way, Neil, in a follow-up to that, uh, though, and uh, allow me to play devil's advocate again here with you on this. And I'm not saying I disagree with you. I would I would pass out the religious exemption letters, too. Uh, I just know that I'm, I'm trying to look at this from the perspective of people like Robert Jeffers, who I have tremendous respect for. I know we all do it and many other people as well. Uh, couldn't we apply that same principle to even mask wearing? I, look, I think mask wearing is ridiculous, stupid. Personally, I think it's unhealthy too. I don't think it's healthy for children to be wearing masks. I have concerns about what kind of I, – I don't want to be decreasing my oxygen level, increasing my CO2 level, building up bacteria, breathing it in deeper. And I, I just – so I have concerns about the masks on top of them just being a stupid prop. Now, that's my opinion. Okay, fine. Uh, but what if I said 
no, I want I want an exemption to wear a mask, and the reason that I want an exemption is because it's a religious exemption. It violates my beliefs as a Christian because, hey, I, I think I should trust in the Lord, and I believe that the Lord's telling me that uh, th- these masks are not really healthy, and so I'm going to follow what I believe the Lord is telling me in my heart and such. Now, I admit – the potential health concerns of a mask is not as serious as the potential health concerns of a jab with a needle of something in your body. So I, I get that. But the general principle of it, though, is would we be taking opposition to mask wearing and Christianizing it by slapping the Bible on top of it and saying, oh, religious exemption? Uh, could we do that as well with masks? And if that would be a stretch – couldn't it be argued, I think, by Robert Jeffers that, that, would, that that's also a stretch trying to do that with vaccines? I think women, women have an advantage on this one because they could just take the mask, flip it up on top of their head and say that the Bible talks about head coverings. <laughs> well, there women, you go. You know, but no, <laughs> seriously, um, I just I, – first of all, I don't – it's a hypothetical kind of and it, it, it's a bit overblown, but I understand what you're trying to say by that. Yeah, I think that anybody could take this and try to apply these same principles – in any other area where they feel uncomfortable and try to, you know, make excuses for this and that, but but those haven't happened yet in this particular case. And I don't, and I think that they would be very flimsy arguments uh, if if they only dealt with something like mask wearing. But in this particular case, you know, you're injecting something into your body that clearly is changing your biological structure somehow. I, I'm not making a medical statement. I, I don't I don't know enough to talk about that. But my point is, you're putting something foreign inside your body it's going to have some kind of an impact i got uh, the, I, I was fine after the first shot uh, the second shot i felt pretty sick for for 48 hours or so uh fine after that and haven't had any repercussions since except loss of memory <laughs> but anyhow um <laughs> i think that has more to do with my age anyhow i just think it's a different category and and i that's exactly i'm not trying to cop out here i'm just saying this is exactly why we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because the world isn't filled with everything being black and white i think we need to get before the lord and god's going to tell some people that this is okay for them and that's okay for them and by the way that's why some people raise hands in church and some don't and why some people feel it's fine to drink alcohol and some don't you know, uh, David Wilkerson came out with the book Sipping Saints, and it was all the reasons why it's unbiblical to drink alcohol. Um, I'm not sure he was 100% correct. I know that the Bible clearly you know, has things to say about drunkenness. I think it's way more sketchy on the issue of is it absolutely uh, forbidden that a Christian ever drink alcohol. Right. Um, so all I'm saying is there are some disputable matters that I think we need to sincerely go before the Lord and ask him, Lord, what should my conviction be on this matter? What are you saying to me because I want to obey you? Right. Well, and by the way, I should say that with you being fully vaccinated, Neil, and myself not, uh, that just shows that according to the great theologian Kathy Hochul, you're listening to God. And, I'm her and apostle. And the rest of us are not. Well, that's right. You're, you're, that's <laughs> yeah. her apostle. I forgot. You're, because you're one of the se- – actually, you're one of the 72 that she's sending out now to spread the <laughs> good news of get the vaccine Please. as her apostle. Hey, look, I, that's kind of what she was implying. She was creating an analogy of, okay, go out now. And she, she was sending people out <laughs> as apostles. To, all right. I'm, um, I'm not going out anywhere. I'm staying right here in my bunker. Bob. All right. All right. You know what? Just, hey, just uh, shake the New York uh, – Dust off your sandals and, and move on. Uh, okay, let's because I really want to get to the aborted stem cell part of this. And I am curious, uh, Neil. You say that the majority of people that are asking for religious exemptions from you are because of these other things, not necessarily because of the aborted stem cell thing. Uh, let me ask you, Roger, as a pastor, also. 
the uh, it does. Seem oh, let, like me, it. let me just interject for one second. Yeah, please. One of, one of them, the, the St. John Fisher one, the student at the, at the college, did have a lengthy description about how that was part of the argument. That was one of three arguments raised. Okay. Um, okay. So that was it in one of the cases. Okay. Uh, Roger, the aborted stem cell argument, at least unless I'm running in the wrong circles, that seems to be the biggest religious exemption card that I've seen most people playing so far. That may flip flop and switch. We'll see. Uh, but how do we handle the the issue of aborted stem cells in this? When uh, look, I, I I wouldn't call myself an anti-vaxxer, but you know what? I'm probably closer to anti-vaxxer than any of us. We haven't had any of our kids vaccinated with the regular childhood vaccines, and so I probably might be categorized as an anti-vaxxer. With that said. I got to be intellectually honest here. These vaccines, including the Johnson and Johnson, do not have aborted stem cells in them. But they did use the mechanism, Roger. Uh, they created their mechanism through aborted stem cells. But in all fairness, so is half the things in the grocery store. Half the things in our lives uh, have done. So if we can't take this vaccine because of its connection to aborted stem cell lines, then that means we can't take ibuprofen, we can't take hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, uh, and we can't use half the shampoos, half the soaps, and half of the, uh, and even a lot of the food products that are out there as well. So uh, that's part of the challenge that I have with using the, this argument as part of the religious exemption, uh, Roger, is that if it's wrong, if if the vaccine is tainted because of its connection to past aborted stem cell lines that have now been fully removed through duplication, then don't we equally have to claim that half the things in our grocery carts are equally tainted? Yeah, I mean, you really do. If you get right down to it, I remember the the first discovery I had was probably a couple of decades ago where, you know, did you know that, you know, potato chips or, you know, whatever it is, and you can't go to a restaurant, whatever, and, and then you start pulling that thread and next thing you know all you've got is a bunch of thread piled up on the floor i mean right. and i'm not not saying you throw in the towel but as you duly noted um, what what started one place has been copied and copied and copied and copied and copied it's no longer the practice but that was the original basis you know back in the 60s and 70s but remember too when abortion was first legalized i mean you, you kids were being aborted you know uh, well into the third trimester and because the whole idea was well viability if a kid's born you know two weeks premature then uh, they're, they're not going to survive outside the womb so there was a lot that medical science didn't know, and uh, I'm not giving everybody a mulligan on that one, but I think in terms of using that as the argument, it, it's it's flimsy at best. And, you know, I, I think that this is another place where God is so uh, desirous of our hearts being pure and our hearts being right and our motives being clean that um, the idea that you... you, you, you it really comes down to you know what what is your motivation what what are you really trying to do i mean the the idea that you know there's a difference between even motives and intents you know the progressives are, are notorious for saying well i want to feel good about myself so therefore we're going to pass all these bills and spend all this money and do whatever because that makes me feel good because people won't hate me whereas i believe the true man or woman of god is saying okay what what brings glory to god what what i want to have the mind of christ in this area and so you look at the world the way it is and it's a sinful fallen world and you look at the things that we eat 
eaten. And I know I've seen several of the social media memes that say, you know, people who eat hot dogs, you know, have no, no trouble with that, but they don't want to get a jab because they don't know what's in it, you know. And the, the reality is we don't know what's in it. I mean, you know, anytime right. you look at a package of, uh, uh, what, what do they call them, like American slices with cheese-flavored food product and say, oh, boy, i got to have cheese on my burger, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I mean, <laughs> Lord knows we've probably done that way way too many times. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's a it, – Yes, on the surface, you know, and and in our heart of hearts, should we be doing anything that involves, you know, children that were sacrificed to Molech, basically, as far as abortion goes? Absolutely not. But using that as an argument, it's a bit of a stretch where we are right now, considering the way we live the rest of our lives. On a lighter note, on a lighter note, real quick. Uh, Living in Boston, uh, just finished up school, getting ready to go get a master's degree. That summer, uh, had a bunch of guys over to the, the house watching a ball game, eating Fenway Franks, okay? And they said, we need, we need some more. So I go in the kitchen to boil more hot dogs. I, I pick up the package and I read the ingredients just while I'm standing there waiting. First first thing listed, which apparently is the number one ingredient, animal lips. So now we, oh. know, now we know what's in hot dogs, gentlemen. Go ahead. Do well, animals have lips? Uh, that's, what guys, I, that's what I was thinking. Who's, who's going around ripping off lips to put them in guys, the hot Guys, 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 guys. You've got to come to Southern California. You've got to go to any Mexican restaurant in Southern California, and you see what they do to that cow what they do to that bull, and, and trust me, I mean, they give it really cool names like cabeza and busueza and stuff like that. But it's head, tongue, tripe, and whatever. It's they get every, they get their money's worth out of everything because if you put it in a nice good al pastor sauce with some cilantro and pico de gallo, and put a little cheese on it, it all tastes the same. So I mean, I'm just, oh, just, I just throwing it out there, guys. Uh, you know what? Hey, look, I, I I can't remember what country it was. I was in a, some some missions trip, and they gave some really fancy name to these these little meatballs that, that sounded like, oh that's great okay goat testicles i'm like are you kidding me i'm serious i'm sure and it was like something out of a movie where you're sitting there you know as you open your mouth and your tongue and you let the food fall out of your mouth okay i wish i would have known that before okay. right. wow know, you know, yeah and, and listeners listeners are like really guys this is where the podcast hey we're serious folks all right uh, hang on one more short break and we'll uh, continue this conversation on the national crawford roundtable next dr michael yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of jesus christ this tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of god's word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of dr michael yusuf Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Winding down this National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco. Uh, John, what's your take on the aborted uh, stem cell line issue here and the... Uh, let's be honest, inconsistency of those that are uh, tainting the vaccine as abortion unfriendly. When even the Charlotte Lozier Institute, which is extremely pro-life, says, come on, we got to admit, uh, these things do not have aborted stem cell lines. And if uh, honestly, John, I'll tell you what, it, it kind of reminds me of a little bit. And again, I'm not a pro-vaccine guy, so so for me to be defending the vaccines is 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 really difficult. But I got to be intellectually honest. I feel kind of like it's that that Christmas Easter debate every year regarding pagan origins. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't celebrate Christmas because uh, the, the Jeremiah ten and the dressing of a tree and the pagan origins surrounding them and whatever. And it's like, yeah, but that's not what we're using it for now. Yeah, but that's what it was originated for. And so, the, and then I say, well, guess what? Half the things in our lives have pagan origins. 
The uh, wedding rings, we're going to throw them away, lighting candles, clinking glasses at weddings, grave headstones. For that matter, even the base 12 division of time into hours, seconds, and minutes is was originated by pagans in Babylon. So do we throw away our watches? So it, to me, it just it's inconsistent to say – the Christmas tree has been tainted because of the pagan origins, but I'm not going to throw away the wedding ring or anything else in my life that equally has pagan origins. And in that same way, John, it, it just seems intellectually, dishonestly inconsistent to say the vaccines are tainted because of their of aborted stem cell line origins when half the things in my grocery cart fit the same bill. Yeah, and I and I, by the way, I agree with you on that. Although I will tell you that there's some folks that you know, some very prominent individuals that I have inter- interviewed, especially from the Catholic side of the fence, that would vehemently disagree with you and and you know come at you with you know all sorts of other data to back up their position on the fact that they in their in their heart of hearts believe that this vaccine does contain, you know, from that line of aborted fetuses, even if it's years and years and years ago, they feel like, well, if that's where it started, it's still there and it's still a result of and even the testing of the vaccine on those lines since still justifies their position. So, I mean, there's some hardcore individuals out there. What do they say about ibuprofen, though? What do they say about ibuprofen? It's no different. I know, and I could you could you could get into that with them on all levels. You'd have to ask them. Well, do you ever take any of these other things that have? You know, there's lots of drugs, by the way, that, that we could apply this to in the same manner. But you know, bottom line, some of these folks really do have uh, uh, passion. Uh, they believe in their heart that this is where this has come from. Uh, they are going to look for that re- you know that religious exemption if need be in in their world. And and frankly, I'm not sure that you know I'm qualified to you know to argue with them on that. And and again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Frankly, I'm not going to because the bottom line for me is whatever you need to do to get out of this thing, uh, especially if you believe that you don't need the vaccine in your world, which I, I'm telling you, I believe most people don't. That's just my own feeling on this after doing all of the studying and research and knowing where we're at now, especially with the Delta variant and the particular vaccine we have now, which is ineffective on it. I mean, we can go down the list of that end of things right now. And, and this is nothing more than, again, I believe just having the wool pulled over our eyes as a Americans and, and worldwide, by the way, it, it, it's a conditioning of what's to come. And in that regard, yes, I feel like as Christians, especially, we should not be so gullible to just take this thing at face value, get the jab and then move on. No, you need to do your research and know whether this is right for you or not. I know Neil did. He needed to. This fit his world and what he needed to accomplish. And, and great, you know, more power to him. I don't need it. I'm self-employed. I don't work for anybody else. I don't have to do it. I can I can limit my travel. I mean, I can do whatever I need to to go without. I'm fortunate that way. I know you guys are as well. So I can get by without having it. Will there come a day where I need it? Guys, I doubt it. And if that's the case, I'm going to work around it. I'm going to do every single thing I possibly can to make sure I don't take it. And I'm all for those that don't. But I think it's a stretch for most individuals to use the the stem cell line argument when yet they'll do everything else in their world that most likely involves that. So yeah, in that case, I have a hard time with that. Although I go back to what I said earlier, use whatever tool you can to get out of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, it's been a very interesting discussion. I One uh, final thing I just wanted to throw out on the table, and it's a little bit off topic, but slightly connected. I just, I just wanted to get this out there. Uh, when we see things like, you know, Dr. Fauci uh, talking about, well, 
Christmas, and then uh, now he back. By the way, that on. guy should be behind bars, anyways. To be oh, honest with you, th- this that, that is guy has got blood on his hands, big time. Whatever he says, oh, you can just almost go deaf on because he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about, anyways. I know. Well, by the way, he, he went on CNN the day after uh, on Monday after his CBS interview on Sunday, and said, "No, no, no, that's misinformation. People misinterpreted me. They're, they're you know, they took me completely out of context. I didn't say uh, about Christmas. What I." I was asked, can you predict what the state of COVID is going to be this December? No, that's not what he was asked. He was asked specifically, can families mm-hmm. get together this Christmas? Right. And he said, quote, no, or it's too soon to tell. That's what he actually said. But he just flat out lied about it. But what I, what I wanted to throw out on the table here, it's it's COVID connected, but it's not some, about the religious exemption. Uh, guys, we cannot take what the CDC says as authoritative, and I know most of us don't anyway, but they used to be perceived as as nonpartisan, but they're not. They have totally become MSCDC. They really have because uh, the, the the manipulation that they're using for the data to make it look like this is a vaccination, a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated makes my eye twitch. I didn't know this, guys, but I found out and I verified this through the CDC's website. Do you know that when you start getting vaccinated, that uh, the CDC considers you unvaccinated until after you've had your first vaccine and then your second vaccine and then you've waited 14 days after your second vaccine. So for most people, this is a good solid month that you're considered unvaccinated. So during that entire month, John, any kind of health problems that you have, uh, if you get if you get COVID from the vaccines, right. if you get hospitalized, if you die, if if you uh, are diagnosed now with COVID, all of that is categorized by the CDC as an unvaccinated new case, an unvaccinated hospitalization, an unvaccinated death. And it's like, are you kidding me? This stuff is coming from the vaccines, but it's being called unvaccinated and now dr fauci implied in an interview last week with the atlantic that maybe we need to start uh defining vaccinated as people that have also had their booster shot well that's six months down the road so now you're talking about seven seven and a half months of unvaccinated status where anything that happens to you in that period is considered happening to an unvaccinated person john unless i'm missing something how is not that not a gross dishonest manipulation of the data it is, and it's it's why, honestly, guys, and it's a whole other topic probably for the podcast in future weeks where, frankly, we should you know flat out oppose public health and the term around it. The reality is, first of all, it's not the government's responsibility to make sure that the public stays health. It's not my responsibility to make sure that you guys stay healthy. And frankly, there's nothing in Scripture that says I need to make sure that you guys stay healthy. That's your own responsibility to do that. And, and, I, and I just I despise this term public health and, and even what the yeah. CDC stands for. And, and I realize, you know, we, we, we in a way have to have it as a country to make sure that, we, you know, we just don't have things running through, you know, the country rampant and, and have problems that way and so on. And, you know, restaurants are safe to eat in and all that. And I get all that, guys. I'm not saying that, you know, we just do away with all of those things. But have we taken it to the point to where the health officials have become God and replaced him? Yeah. Uh, what do you guys you think know, about reality, that? And the answer to that, by Neil. the way, is yes, we have. 
Yeah, the whole that whole subject blows my mind. So let me talk about something else real quick. Um, All right. <laughs> uh, it, no, seriously, just real quick. It, let's just say that um, just food for thought for the future, just for people All to right. think about as the as the thing ends here. Um, if if your spouse is in desperate need of a liver transplant, uh, they say, "Hey, we've got a liver available. Let's do this." And because an organ donor, you know, we've discovered an over- organ donor just passed away. Then two seconds before they do the surgery, they say, "Oh, by the way, that person was murdered." Uh, they were they were innocent victim murdered. Would you take it? Because honestly, that's exactly what happens to an aborted fetus. Now, that's not an argument to take the vaccine, even though there might be fetal tissue in there, which I probably did a great job explaining it. It's just something to think about. And then secondarily, for people who really have these issues of conscience related to this kind of stuff, remember that if you're using Bath and Body Works or Energizer or Progressive Insurance or Liberty Mutual or AT&T, Verizon, Starbucks, Macy's, Ben & Jerry's, Nike, Levi's, Clorox, Pepsi, Groupon, or Expedia, or dozens of other companies, then you're actually putting money in the hands of Planned Parenthood who will abort some 200,000 babies this year. So you've got to kind of look at the bigger picture. That is really good food for thought. And actually, Roger, I'm going to give you the last word on this because this is a potential podcast for us to do in the future. How much of a of a purist do we try to live our lives as far as being detached from anything connected to the abortion industry it does seem like uh, six degrees of kevin bacon separation we're not going to be able unless we're going to be amish or go live in a cave somewhere we're not going to be able to remove ourselves from a connection to that so how 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 close to the planned parenthood fire can we get and and be comfortable you know i i that's a tough call sometimes for us to figure out where, how thick that gray line is. Yeah, it really is. And I, I was thinking about a time when my son uh, was in high school. And it's ironic you mentioned Starbucks, Neil, because uh, Starbucks has actually put him through school in terms of that's been the job he's had for many, many years. He's a he's a, a, a shift supervisor, and it's been a really good job for him. He doesn't think about the politics. But when I first started doing the bottom line, we used to get together on Monday mornings before I'd drop him off at school, and we'd go get some Starbucks, and uh, I'd get tea, and he'd get coffee, and we'd talk a little bit, and then we'd move on. And then I started reading about their involvement with Planned Parenthood. And I, one day I, we were driving driving toward the Starbucks, he said, where are we going? And I said, well, we're going to Coffee Bean because, uh, you know, they don't have those same connections, at least as far as I know. And I started to explain why I couldn't. And he got really upset. He just said, hey, come on, this is our thing. And finally, at that point, I had to make a decision, you know, what's more important here, ultimately. And I, I went, we, I get teary just thinking about it, but we, we went back to that Starbucks a couple of weeks later. And I said, I would much rather have this relationship with you. Then, uh, then worry about the other ramifications. And ultimately, when it comes right down to it, we have a relationship with God. And to John's point about, you know, my health is my responsibility. So, I mean, I, I'm not trying to save the rest of the world <laughs> really, in terms of, you know, did I get vaccinated to make sure that you don't get sick? I mean, I'm ultimately, I have to take, I mean, I have to be a steward with my own health. I have to be a steward with my own faith. I have to be a steward with my own convictions. And when you look at the way the CDC reports on this, I mean, quite frankly, the fact that they used to count the breakthrough uh, uh cases as cases of infection and now they just kind of quietly stopped counting them at the cdc because there are so many people who got the jab which is supposed to be the quote-unquote cure and now it's not and so it's like well we want cases because we want infections but we don't want them to be from people who got jabbed i mean ultimately it really does come down to you and me standing before god and saying god what would you have me do and I think yeah. ultimately the best informed decision we can make is a good one. But ultimately it really comes down to, God, how do you want me to steward the body that you've given me, the life that you've given me, the resources that you've given me? So right. I'm, I'm, I'm Great last word. Uh, wow. 
It is another National Crawford Roundtable podcast in the bank, folks. We always appreciate you listening to us. You can listen at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We welcome nice five-star reviews. Thank you so much for those. You can also listen at CrawfordMediaGroup.net as well as access previous podcasts as well. And John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco. Guys, always great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. You too, Bob. Thank you. Hey, we'll see you later. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.